When I was reading with my students, I always made a point to read out loud with my fifth graders. They would literally sit on the floor around my feet. And they're 10, 11 years old, and they just loved it. And a lot of fifth grade, a lot of middle school teachers too, kind of once you get into those upper grades, teachers don't read aloud as much, but kids love it and they gravitate towards it. And I felt a better connection even with my students doing that. Welcome to the Faith Inspired Podcast by Faith and Gather. I'm your host, Erica Dvorak. Join me and the Faith and Gather community as we become faith-inspired to tackle every area of life. Career, faith, motherhood, loss, fitness, fashion, health, and more. Girl, we're going to meet you right where you're at, right where you need it. Keeping you one step ahead of the devil, armed with knowledge to fight your everyday battles and live a life faith-inspired. Come on, girl, let's get it. As parents, we want our children to succeed academically, yet forcing tasks on them, like reading, takes away the fun and excitement, and we are left with epic battles. Brittany Dahl, the Miraculous Journey of Books owner, has over a decade of experience as an elementary school teacher and as a mother. She has helped hundreds of kids to fall in love with reading and become voracious readers. In her guide, Nine Mistakes Parents Make When Raising Readers, Brittany highlights common mistakes parents make that do more harm than good. I've personally experienced each of these mistakes firsthand and now feel empowered knowing why it's important to avoid them and how to keep reading as an activity my children will love. So get ready to be surprised and encouraged as you learn how easy it is to make your child, and maybe yourself, a lifelong avid reader. Let's get to it. Hi, Brittany. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me here. I'm really excited about this and it's a pleasure to be able to chat with you. Yeah, yeah, same here. It's, um, I think, a year in the making, honestly. I think we met about a year ago when I was just newly pregnant with Delaney and we met over Social Squares, which is a um, a service provider that we both use that has beautiful photos. Shout out to Shay Cochran. <laughs> but we both, we met through that and then just connected. And then I think, you know, I had my pregnancy and you were doing your thing. And then finally we were able to reconnect about a month ago. So this is just exciting that we actually get to make it happen. Yes. Yes. It's It's been a pleasure just um, getting to know you over the time, but I'm glad we get to chat a little bit more in depth. Yeah, same here. Absolutely. So you are an absolute expert when it comes to reading. You have uh, obviously your master's in elementary education with an endorsement in reading, and then you've taught for 11 years. So reading's a huge component of that with children. And then you have your own two little readers. And so I just, I want to say I was blown away, like actually on the t- connection. So we are talking today about reading if you, if you didn't get that yet from the intro and <laughs> me just talking. But um, I was blown away by Brittany because when we met through Social Squares, she was talking about how she helps parents and moms really specifically find books for their children. And I thought that was just such a unique business to have. And then like when we got to know each other, it just made total sense of, 
you know, your knowledge and expertise in that. And so, yeah, I was just really attracted to that. And then we reconnected and found that piece that we're going to talk on today about the nine mistakes that parents make when raising readers. And I was like, oh my gosh, we have to do that one because as I was reading through it, you know, a lot of the downloadables that you get nowadays are kind of like, there's only like one or two nuggets in it. And you're like, "Ah, I already kind of know the other stuff. This stuff, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm totally making all those mistakes. (laughs) And so I wanted to talk through some of them with you because, you know, there's a lot of mamas that listen to this podcast and I think that they would get a lot out of it. So just kind of want to get on into it if we can. So number one that I was like, oh my gosh, I totally do this with my son is um, asking him to sit still when I'm reading to him. And so he's three, three and a half years old, I should say almost four, like in August. So he is definitely not one to want to sit. If I had half the amount of energy that he does, I would be a very wonderful woman because I would have so much energy. But he he's he's just crazy with energy. And so I always thought, you know, if he's not paying attention, like if he's not actually looking at the book with me, if he's not quiet and reading along, then it's not really, I mean, like what's the point of actually reading? And in your downloadable, it says, you know, that's actually a benefit to the child and that they are listening when you're reading and they're they're running around. So can you explain that a little bit more about like what is the actual benefit to the child? And like why is it good that I mean, I'm sure moms would like them to sit a little bit more too. <laughs> Sitting's good too, but why why is it a good thing that they may be running around? Yeah, um, I know even for me, that was something I was raised to learn. You know, you sit and you listen. So the first time I heard about that, I was in a teaching training and one of the trainers had mentioned that. And I kind of thought like, this sounds a little crazy. Um, But I've continued to read more research on it. And what's happening is there's a kinesthetic modality that's being added in. And so as the kids are mobile and doing something um, while you're reading aloud, it actually allows some of the information to go deeper into their brains. It helps them to connect a little bit better and to remember it for longer as well, which is neat. Sarah McKenzie mentions it in her book, The Read Aloud Family. And that's where another place where I had read about it. Um, and I just thought like, okay, this is reaffirming. Um, and then in my own experience, like as a teacher, I saw my students doing this. And there were times when I would just kind of allow them to, you know, be busy with their hands while I read aloud. So whether it was just drawing or folding up a piece of paper, and I would notice like, okay, they're still hearing me or they're comprehending this. And then to go for a younger age, because I I think a lot of people have very little ones like toddlers. My son will play with blocks while I'm reading out loud. Sometimes he'll sit next to me with his own book and flip through the page. Like every time I flip a page, he'll flip one too. And it's just, I don't know, it's amazing to see that he's still making connections. There's words that I'll say every now and then as I'm reading. His favorite ones right now are ladder and um, hose. So we have a fire truck book we read. And whenever it mentions the hose, he will run over from playing with his box. He stares really intently at the pictures on the page. And sometimes he'll point out the window to the backyard where we have a hose also. So I can tell like, oh, he gets it. Like he hears me. He's making connections with this. It's really neat to see. That's so interesting and just really amazing. But it makes sense as you say that because... That happens to me. So I I think 
for a lot of us, retain a lot of knowledge. They say if you're studying for a test or whatever it may be, you read it and then you write it down. And so you get Mm -hmm. that like double effect. And I think like that's just kind of kind of the same type of deal. Like they're they're moving. I don't have the scientific knowledge of that, but what you're saying, it just makes sense to me as if I read it and write it, I can understand it better. So if they're doing some kind of action and they're also listening, that makes sense that it would like go deeper into the brain that way. Mm -hmm. And over time, their attention span will grow. So in the last year or so, my son, you know, he's mostly playing with blocks or kind of doing something in his room while I'm reading. He'll come over for 30 seconds when he connects with something. He'll go back to what he's doing. But in the last few months, um, I've actually, he'll sit on my lap and read two or three books at a time without getting up. So as time goes on, that practice, even though it sounds counterintuitive to let them move around instead of practicing sitting still. Um, But that practice of letting them move around helps to grow their attention span. And he's able to enjoy it more. You know, like he's having fun. He has a positive interaction with reading. And so he's thinking like, oh, reading is fun. This is great. Um, Instead of something he's being forced to do, which could have, you know, the opposite effect and your kids could begin to resent that reading time. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if your child's not one to want to sit and then they just know that reading time is you sit down, you have to, you know, just stay quiet and do whatever you don't want to do. Right, right. <laughs> so yeah, that makes sense. I Also in your your piece, it stated there's a difference between boys and girls. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I haven't found a lot of information on why it is the difference between boys and girls, but I in my own experience, I can just definitely affirm like that is the case. Um, like as a teacher, my boys were just busier. Um, and I, I think that's just, you know, the way God made us. Like, you know, boys love to be more active. They love to be outside. They love to, I mean, I know a lot of girls that do as well, but it seems like they just have that bit more of a, an active piece to them um, where they just want to get up and go more. So giving them the opportunity to move and to do something hands-on while you're reading helps to kind of bless them in that in a way, but also helps them to enjoy the reading, hold the whole process more as, as well. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I'm just thinking of my son and the difference already that I can see in my son and my daughter. And even <laughs> though she's a baby, it's just like there's such a clear differences. It's just so cool how God has made men and women so different. And you can see that in the way they read as well. Yes. <laughs> so let's talk about graphic novels. So this is one that I read and I was like, this is so interesting because I, just to be honest, I'm not a graphic novel person, but I have heard from a friend that her boys absolutely love it. And they actually have like a graphic novel Bible, which I was like, oh, that's just super interesting. But you talk about that graphic novels. (laughs) Oh yeah. You got one. Yeah. Yeah, The action Bible. They're really cool. (laughs) Okay, yeah, so I should definitely get one for Benton when he gets a little bit older, but you had said that graphic novels are actually something to encourage and not discourage, and so why why is that? Because I think some parents, I think when they think of graphic novels, they just think of like, you know, like the Superman, Batman, whatever it is, and whether that's good or bad, but, you know, they just might not feel like that's as educational as what their children should quote-unquote be reading, so why why do you encourage graphic novels? It's such a great question, and I understand exactly where parents are coming from. I felt the same way when I was beginning teaching, and and they were really becoming popular at that time. And I think we also have this tendency to think that, 
okay, well, the kids love it. So it's, there's gotta be something like wrong here. Like, you know, this, <laughs> there's gotta be something that's like, it's not as educational. There's gotta be some issue, but because of their popularity, more and more studies are coming out supporting the idea that they are very beneficial. So you're using a multimodal type of learning because you're having to process with both sides of your brain. As you're looking at the pictures, which you have to look at the pictures to understand the story. And then on, with the other side of your brain, you're reading the words and putting those two together to get this whole comprehension of what is being said in the story. It's higher level thinking. Um, it, it just requires like an advanced processing skill. And so what we have a tendency to think is like, oh, those are babyish. They're, you know, that's, that's not like the best type of reading that you could do. It's actually one of the best types of reading that you can do. So I would highly encourage them. Plus there are different levels of graphic novels, some that are more challenging, some that are easier for kids. So that's something, you know, if you're interested in looking at those things to check out as well. And I guess I'll add this in here. Overall, your goal with reading is to help your kids to love it, like to fall in love with books. And so if they've gravitated towards something that they really enjoy, I wouldn't push them towards something else or steer them away from it. It's like, if they like it, like, that's great. Like, let them enjoy it. Let them like that. And I think they're especially appealing for boys and reluctant readers. I think they're a great transition from picture books to chapter books and, you know, allowing kids to make that transition on their own because there are more pictures in it. The pictures help to break up the text, which helps it, it helps your reluctant readers to feel more confident in their reading ability. And a lot of them, I mean, like, I know a lot of people can't see this, but these are, it's a thick book. They do look larger. And so when they've finished it, even though they might not have read a ton of words, they still feel accomplished. Like, okay, you know, I've, I just read a book, you know, let's add that to the stack of my books I've read before. And it's a notch in their belt. It's a you know, a confidence booster for them. So I still think with that in mind, not only are they doing some higher order thinking, they're also building their confidence as they're getting through more and more books. So that's another reason they're really great. Which is so funny because that's the way I feel too. I think, I don't know if most adults do or if, I, <laughs> if you're like me, but I get super excited when I accomplish it. You know, I read my books and I have my bookshelf and I'm like, I've read all those books. You have all that knowledge. So I can totally see how kids would feel the same way. So do you have any suggestions for graphic novel books? Because this is, again, like I said, is not an area that I'm familiar with. And you did show that Bible, if you would mention that, that one Bible that you were holding up. But if you have any other ideas for graphic novels that parents may want to grab. There's so many to choose from and a lot of really great authors, great illustrations. So this is called the Action Bible. It's God's redemptive story. And I mean, it has some really beautiful pictures in it. And it does not have every single story in the Bible, but it does go through a lot of major stories and does a really good job of like having this theme of God's redemption in it. I'd recommend this one for kids who are like ages 7 to 11, um, somewhere in that range. And I mean, you could easily go younger or earlier than that, depending on your kid's interest. But that's a great one. Another one that I found is called Faithful Spy, and it's written by John Hendricks, and it's about Dietrich Bonhoeffer. So I would recommend that one for older kids who are like 10 and older, but it does a really great job of telling his story and 
being a German, living in Germany, and just being against the whole Nazi movement. So I think those are really wonderful and specifically like biblically based, tying in like stories from the Bible. And But aside from that, Usborne Books and More has a whole selection of graphic novels that are based on classic stories. And even though they're not specifically from the Bible, I think they have so many positive themes that you can easily tie in and weave like lessons and connecting it to things that you would want to teach. So yeah, I'm trying to think off the top of my head what's in there. Um, There's uh, The Hound of the Baskervilles, Dracula, Robin Hood, The Wizard of Oz. There's a really great selection of those too. So there's tons to choose from when it comes to, to graphic novels. Yeah, who would have thought? I mean, if you're in the graphic novel world, you're probably thinking, Erica, there's a million of them, just like any type of book out there. So um, that's amazing, though. This is knowledge that like I totally am gleaning, and I think my my kiddo Benton would love something like that. So really, really appreciate that. And I'm going to take a look at that Bible, because like I said, my friend, her sons read that Bible, and um, it just comes to life for them in a different way. And I liked how you said um, that transition to, because currently the Bible that we read Tibetan doesn't have all the stories either, you know, and it's very, it's just short kind of paragraphs because they don't have much of that attention span and they can't quite grasp. I mean, we're adults and we can't grasp all that's in the Bible, (laughs) let's be honest, but, you know, so it's just those little nuggets. And so that'd be a nice little entryway into, you know, the actual big Bible eventually. So I love that. Yeah, and it'll build some good memories too. Reading those, yeah, like they'll have some good memories of sharing those stories and those, you know, specific pictures and things that are in there. That'll be fun to reflect back on one day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and have it be like fun to read the Bible. I love that. So switching gears a little bit here, but still reading. But this kind of made me laugh because I was like, oh my gosh, I totally remember doing that. But (laughs) it was talking about book reward programs. And for me, like for book reward programs, like I totally remember the Book It. And I don't know if they have Book It anymore, but for me, it reminds me of like my pin and getting those little stickers on them, like those little gemstone stickers. And then when I completed it, then I would get a personal pan pizza at Pizza Hut. And like, (laughs) I just remember (laughs) reading like all these books just so I could like, have that personal pan pizza and you write in there. So like in my head, I'm like, oh yeah, book programs. That's great. But times have changed apparently. And, you know, I haven't gotten into this yet with my kiddos, but now there are programs that test the child like out of books, like even at a young age. So there's like just all this testing to make sure they have like this comprehension. And so you mentioned that parents are now just choosing books based on like the programs. So like they're just picking books if they're not, you mentioned there was a child that asked you a book and they asked you if it was on the reading program and you had said, no, it's not. And then they put it away. And so the children are just picking books based off of like, oh, you need to complete this test or task or whatever it is to test out rather than like actually enjoying the book. So can you dive into that a little bit more of like why it's not such a great idea for parents to just focus so much on like the testing? Like we all want our children to be great academically, but why might it be not a good thing for them just to focus on that? So those types of programs the most common ones, and, and Book It is still around, by the way. And I had the pen okay. as well. I loved that program. I know, me too. <laughs> yeah, 
there it was so much fun and I loved pizza nights. So programs like Accelerated Reader and Reading Counts, they're marketed to help educators to monitor kids' reading comprehension. So you read the book, you take the test, you earn points, like you were describing, and they have their place. Like they can be very motivational. I like both you and I connected with the fact that like it was exciting. I love reading books and getting the pizza, um, being able to go out with my family. But the problem is if they're only reading for earning points or if they're limiting their book choice because they only want to read to earn points, they're going to burn out. They're going to be over it at some point and not enjoy it. And I would say that like, you know, with everything that I mentioned in um, in this guide, the um, nine mistakes that parents make raising readers, like your overall goal is to help your kids fall in love with books. So I kind of want to just say like, just relax, you know, like just um, <laughs> let them pick something that they want and something that they enjoy and don't overthink it. Because if they're refusing to read certain books because they only want points, then they're going to miss out on something they love. Like it's just inevitable and you don't want to limit their choices. Um, you don't want them to refuse or to be turned off from reading simply because like, well, I'm not getting anything because of it. That's not a true joy of reading. And oftentimes the tests, they're not really showing like a good understanding of the kid's comprehension. A lot of the questions are very easy. They're very like direct questions that some of my fifth graders would pick up picture books that would be more appropriate for a kindergartner, read it in two minutes and take a quiz. Um, or sometimes they would just find the quiz on the computer and not read it at all. And they would pass it because the questions would be very logical and, you know, they would just earn the points. So it wasn't always, I can't say this, you know, was always the case because sometimes it did promote like reading and they would love it, um, but it did not always promote like a love of reading. So that's kind of what you want to steer away from. Okay. Yeah. Just that, again, like you'd said, it's that forced reading, make sure that they're enjoying it and they're not doing it just because they have to check off the box. And that's not fun. That's not fun for us to do. So why would that be fun for kids to do too? Right. Right. The best way to like really understand if a kid comprehends a book is to talk to them about it. Just ask them questions. What was your favorite part? You know, what did you not like? What would you have changed? This guide is one chapter of the book that I'm attempting to work on. And the overall goal is to help parents to talk with their kids about books. So those are some of the things that I want to address in there as well, (laughs) eventually. That's fantastic. Because I do, I think I missed that part with Benton a lot of the times. You know, we just read the book. We usually read before bed, except on weekends sometimes we'll add some books in during the day, but we just kind of like read through the three books really quickly and then, you know, put them to sleep. And so, yeah, it's just a good reminder to actually like talk through and like see what he comprehends because we do see sometimes him comprehending things as like real life is playing out. So we had like Curious George has this one where he goes to the doctor and there's an x-ray and all of that. And like it, it, Benton had to get an x-ray and I had to wear the, I don't know, that, that shield thing. I'm not saying it right. Their apron, you know, over. So I didn't get any of the x-rays on me and the man in the yellow hat did the same thing. And so like it played out in real life and he was talking about like, oh, how it was Curious George and the man in the yellow hat and all of that. And it was just really cool to do that. And we should, you know, have those conversations at night and then not just when, you know, life is happening kind of deal. So we're in the stage right now with Benton, and then we're reading out loud to Delaney too. But you know, it seems just really natural at that age because Benton can't 
read. You know, he's he's only three and a half years old. He just doesn't have that capability yet. And so you mentioned that parents, you know, naturally read to their children at the younger ages, but then all of a sudden when they can read on their own, they just kind of stop. And it made me think of, I have a friend who reads out loud with her preteen. And when she first mentioned it, I was like, oh, that's super interesting. Like they sit there and they read like, you know, like a book, like she would read an adult book and she'll just read it out loud and her daughter will just lay there and they'll talk through like the book itself. And I was like, wow, how sweet and how cute that is. And I thought that was just so unique. And you say that like, that's something that you should really actually do. Like you should continue to read out loud to your children. And I'm just wondering like, what, what really is the age where you should stop reading out loud? Is there even an age to stop reading out loud? Is that something like continue to do? And, um, what are the, I guess, the benefits of just continuing that behavior, even if your child already knows how to read themselves? That's such a great question. And I would say don't stop. Like you, like you, you basically said that, like, you know, don't. Um, if they're going to allow you to continue to read with them, I would continue to do it. And another book I read recently was Jim Trelease's Read Aloud Handbook. And um, he explains in there that um, your listening comprehension and your silent reading comprehension, so reading with your ears and reading with your eyes, those two comprehension levels are different. And they don't converge, they don't like match up until kids are in about the eighth grade, which is well after, you know, they've been reading independently. So most kids are learning to read around five, six, seven. And so a lot of parents think like, okay, you know, you're going to read on your own now, like go, go grab a book, go read, which makes sense because they're capable of it. They can read. But if you think about it, your child has practiced listening to reading their entire lives at that point. And so their listening comprehension is, is much better than them reading with their eyes, like silent reading on their own. So when you are continuing to read with them, you're really helping to improve their vocabulary they're being able to hear more sophisticated language patterns and how to pronounce certain words. So when they go to encounter those words or those language patterns as they're silent reading on their own, they're better equipped to understand exactly what it says because they've heard you read it. They've heard you read it aloud, I guess. And then also a lot of kids enjoy it because of that connection, that bond that's being built. You know, you're holding them as your reader. They're sitting close to you when you're reading together. Um, and so you're building this really great bond um, together. And then all of a sudden, when they're able to read on their own, you're almost like breaking that off or stopping that. And they might still be craving it. So if you are giving them that time to continue to bond and read together over books, then that's a blessing as well. So there's there's lots of good reasons to continue to do it. And I would just say, you know, like, read with your kids until they don't want you to anymore, um, until like they're really refusing. <laughs> um, which that's awesome that your friend feels that way and wants, like her kid wants to keep um, hearing the stories. That's amazing. I, I hope my son's like that. I really do. Yeah. I know it's such a special bond for them. And then I was going to say that, and you mentioned that, like it's, it's the bonding thing. And man, I'm going to try to find anything to keep my, at least my son, I don't know if my daughter is going to be any different, but my son to like want to do things with me. Cause already at three and a half years old, you know, he's already so independent on things and <laughs> I'm just like, oh my gosh. So yeah, I'm going to continue to read to him as long as I can, because at least I know I have 
time with him, you know, that we have that special bond and that special time to snuggle in with each other because, yeah, it's it's going way too fast. <laughs> Even when I was reading with my um, students, I'd re- I always made a point to read out loud with my fifth graders. They would literally sit on the floor around my feet. And they're 10, 11 years old, and they just loved it. And a lot of fifth grade, or a lot of middle school teachers too, kind of once you get into those upper grades, teachers don't read aloud as much, but kids love it. And they they gravitate towards it. And I felt a better connection even with my students doing that. So I wouldn't stop for sure. Oh, and just a thought, I know a lot of people listening might have older kids who maybe they, they've stopped reading aloud to them, but would like to begin doing that more it can be tricky. Like, it's not easy to just go up to your teenager and be like, hey, we're going to read a book together. Like, you're probably going to be met with a little <laughs> a little bit of resistance. But listening to audiobooks would be really beneficial, even if it's on the car, in the car, like as you're driving to and from school or running errands, 10 minutes here and there, like you're going to make some headway through some books. So that would be really helpful. If you read like while you're cleaning up during dinner. Maybe, you know, they sit and read while you clean or vice versa or take turns like every every few nights or something. But that might be a way to kind of like slowly introduce reading together um, with a kid who's older. Awesome. And I was going to, that was going to be my next question was, what are your thoughts on audiobooks? And so just good to know, because sometimes I think, you know, as parents, we just get tired, you know, and so it's nice to have that, um, audiobook in your back pocket where you can both listen and you can both kind of relax and get that entertainment and just that, you know, imaginative um, kind of state together and then talk through it. So I'm really happy that you said audiobooks are a good thing too. I think, you know, obviously we're at my stage, it's more reading so he can see the pages and like, you know, can see the words and all of that. But as he gets older, I think that'll be just a nice way to continue that. So happy to hear, happy to hear that audiobooks are okay. (laughs) That could roll into a good, you know, when kids start to transition out of nap times too, um, and you're still wanting like a little quiet time, setting them up with um, some crayons or some something to paint or build blocks and then put the audiobook on. It'll give you a little bit of time to do some things you need to do, give them a little quiet time, downtime still. But yeah, it could be beneficial for all. <laughs> yeah, that's a fantastic idea, actually, because I mean... I- I'm a naughty parent, but sometimes, you know, we use the TV as a way so I can get like some cleaning done or, you know, just some quiet time if I need to get some work done and, you know, he's sick at home or whatever it may be. And so that's a nice alternative to have to, you know, it's still entertainment in his mind and because he's still like learning and it's creative. Um, And then he was able to color too and do something. So that's, yeah, that's fantastic. That's a great option for me specifically because... Yeah, I mean, I think a great option for adults too. They have those adult coloring books. My goodness, that sounds like luxury right now to be able to like listen to something and just like color and draw. That sounds so peaceful. Yeah. We might implement that tonight. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. For sure. So what books are you reading right now to your kiddos? I know you have younger ones, but what books are you reading? And then maybe, I don't know if you have them off the top of your head, but a couple that you could highlight for some other age ranges as well. Um, Oh, I feel like we read all the books all the time. (laughs) We have a lot on repeat. We have a series called Gregory Goose is All the Loose that we like to read, and it's a seek and find book. And there's like one line on each page 
However, seek and find books are really good for kids. They are using visual discrimination. And this is another one. It kind of went right up there with graphic novels for me for a long time. My students love seek and find books. And I'm going, seriously, like, <laughs> let's, let's move on from this. But as they're practicing and I trying to identify like one specific object on the page, it's a similar practice, visual discrimination. It's a similar skill that you use when you're identifying letters as you read. So being able to like practice finding that object is just like finding like an A or a D and being able to like identify the letter um, and it helps to make you a better reader. So he's really enjoying a lot of those. We have a lot of picture books that we read through quite a bit. He likes a lot of interactive books, which are fun. So some that have lift the flaps, trying to think of like some we've been reading quite a bit lately, um, Where Happiness Lives is about these three mice that realize they're not content with their homes and where they are. And they see like a bigger house down the road and think, oh, I want to live there. And then in the end of the book, the theme, they realize like, you know, if, if my family's happy, if we are content, like that's where true happiness lives. Like we should find that in, in where we are. So it's a really sweet story that we like a lot. We have the Read Aloud Bible there's four volumes of it. We we have the first volume that we've been reading through, and it's really appropriate for toddlers. The story of Zacchaeus is in there. So a few different books or stories that I remember learning, like when I was in preschool and younger, that he's really been enjoying a lot too. So I could go on forever with this question, though. <laughs> do you want me to do that? <laughs> I, bet, I bet you could. I bet you could. How about for ages like, let's say... Elementary school, middle school, and then like high school. Okay. One of my biggest recommendations and the thing that I think is appropriate for kids who are reluctant readers and also kids who are voracious readers is to find a book series for them. Book series are just, they're so great to help kids to identify as a reader. Especially if you, if you have a reluctant reader, I would really encourage you to read the first book together because you are really setting the stage for them for like the overall story. You're introducing the characters, you are introducing a setting to them. And if you have a reluctant reader and you're helping to like lay that foundation of what they would see in the rest of the, the books, it helps to kind of just build their confidence. And then they don't have to imagine it on their own or, you know, like be able to picture it on their own as they're reading future books. And then as you continue to read through those books, the kids are building such a strong bond with the characters. For me personally, it was Nancy Drew. Like I can say that series is what made me a reader. I read every single one I could get my hands on, but the plots are all very similar. And so you have, you know, Nancy and her two best friends hanging out in the beginning, and then something tragic happens and Nancy just happens to be there. And then, you know, she... I think there's usually like three or four clues that she identifies and then they catch the bad guy in the end. And so for me, every time I read a book, I never realized that was a pattern, but it helped me to build my confidence because I guess somewhere like subconsciously, like that was there. So I would say to answer your question, <laughs> I would say a book series would be one of, one of the best things to help kids with. And there are so many to choose from right now. 
Babysitter's Club actually has a graphic novel version that's come out. Oh, fun. Um, so those are really neat. Wings of Fire, they also have a graphic novel version, but they have them in the chapter book formats as well. My students loved those. And so those would be great for like upper elementary and even like early middle school. Um, Wings of Fire, they're about dragons. So kind of like a, a mystical, just a fantasy uh, type of story. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of the Chronicles of Narnia. Like I just loved those stories and, you know, could read them a lot. So those are some of my favorites. And then I've been trying to read more of the classics that I didn't read when I was younger. Anne of Green Gables and Secret Garden, uh, Little Princess. I love classic stories like that. So I look forward to sharing some of those with my daughter one day. Yes. Oh, so good. As you're speaking, I'm like, oh, it brings back so many good memories. Like Babysitter's Club totally did that one. Boxcar Kids, I think that's what it's called. Like totally did that one. Like just, and I love just sitting there reading in my bed and getting into the stories. Goosebumps, which I don't know if I would read that now, but <laughs> that was a big one back in my day. Dating myself a little bit, but <laughs> you know, I just <laughs> read a lot of those. <laughs> for sure. I love that you could choose the ending and that was just super fun. And then you'd go back and reread and choose a different ending. And that was so fun. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Really great idea. Serious. I think that's a good note for adults too. Like if you can't find something to read, I know that happens to me a lot where I'm like, oh, what should I read? Like starting a series. Cause then I'm like, once I finish a book, then I'm like, okay, back to that question. Like, what should I read again? So it's a right. good, you know, you just have, you keep going and going. There was, um, is Judy Bloom one? Is she what? I can't remember, but I think I loved her books like a few years ago. Wait, is she a young one or is she an older one? She's a young one. Young one. Okay. Yep. So that wasn't a few years ago. That was back way back in the day. There was another one that I can't think of. Oh, Janet Evanot. Ovenach. I can't remember her last name, but she does like mystery stuff. And so I like fell in love with her books, like, I don't know, five years ago or so and read a bunch of those. But yeah, grabbing onto like an author and a book series is such a good idea because then you can just keep going with it and it's fun. You know, you don't have to revert to like looking at social media or looking at, you know, the TV, like you've got kind of your entertainment in your hand at any age. So yeah. And you know exactly where to go, like you said. Yeah. And for those reluctant readers, like if you read the first book with them and kind of lay the foundation um, and have the second book on hand, you know, you just, all right, here's the next one. Like, um, would you like me to read it with you or do you want to try it on your own? So it you take out that the decision factor, like you mentioned, like they know exactly what they're going to read next. So it does save a lot of time. Yeah. And I think just brain power for a parent too. Like, okay, yes. <laughs> you yes, know, true. Like, we know you're going to be reading this for a few bucks. So like, <laughs> I'll take anything that has the easy button <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> for sure. Okay. So you have just a wealth of knowledge on reading really. It's just been so exciting to talk with you finally and do the podcast and, and read through it and just have like, have that um, downloadable piece that I was looking at really come to life and get, you know, more of your expertise with that. But I know that you have an amazing offering for parents and really like specifically moms about giving and finding book recommendations for parents, like for their children, meeting their child, like where they're at in their reading level and like just their age or maybe their likes um, whatever that may be. So can you talk through kind of your, your offering of the, I think it's a miraculous journey of books and then like other downloadables that they can grab where to find the, the nine mistakes one and then anything else that you may have for them. 
Yeah. So I know that most parents are way too busy to sift through the endless options of children's books um, to find one that's perfect for their kids. So I help busy moms to choose the perfect book um, so that you have more time to read with your kids, building a lasting and loving relationship. So you can find me at my business name is The Miraculous Journey of Books. And my website is my name, brittanydahl.com. And on there, if you fill out, I have like a three question survey, just tell me your name, your email address, and what your kids' ages and interests are. And I will send you a list of books that I think they will love. Um, So you can check those out, purchase the ones that you want, and then get to reading. I just try to help narrow down all the options to save you time because it can definitely be overwhelming. But you can also find me on Instagram at The Miraculous Journey of Books. And I'm on there quite a bit. I try to post like three days a week and always have like a story up here and there. But I love to share things like this. You can find the freebie through the link on Instagram, or it's also on my website on the front page. And this whole guide is what I like to call it. It's the nine mistakes that parents make raising readers. So a lot of things that I think all parents are very well intentioned and they want the best for their kids. But there's just, you know, a few things that you might just not be informed about. So that was kind of my goal in writing this guide was to help inform parents and help their kids to make better choices as they're reading. Yeah. And it's a fantastic guide. Obviously, we did a whole podcast on it, but really (laughs) I was just blown away by like, oh my gosh, like I make all these mistakes, but how, how gentle you are with them. Like mistakes, this seems like such a harsh word, but it's not, you know, how gentle you are. Like, oh, here's, here's how you, you've been doing it this way. Here's a way to like reframe it. Here's how you can change, you know, the behavior for you and your child and like really make it so you can enjoy it. And so I like that, like you present like that problem and then you present like the solution, like here's how to actually, you know, make it so your child just like absolutely loves reading and, you know, just quick, easy fixes. So I'm just so thankful for you to share your knowledge today and just um, what a cool, I just think what a cool business and what a cool career to have and just taking your love of reading and books and children and you know, wanting to help out, just like how how fantastic. So what a just a, what a great mission that you have to help children just want to learn to love to read, which helps them in kind of every area of their life. So thank you so much for being on today and just sharing your heart and knowledge. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Congratulations to saying yes to yourself. Fill it up your cup, feed in your soul. If you want more, head over to faithinspiredpodcast.com for show notes and links to all the goodies mentioned in today's podcast. Don't forget to hit subscribe to keep you faith-inspired.